Listening to Arnold with William McCarthy live for Red Hook. Cue the garbage trucks. Cue the alleyway rats. Cue the airplanes overhead. Cue the honking. We're back in New York now. Gone is that open highway. The wind flapping in my hair. Smell of gasoline on my gloves. My boots with sand in them. The old tumbleweed just blowing by on the dusty trail. I am back in the city. Now, what was it like? What was it like? People have asked me, what was it like to ride 3,000 miles? I think it was 3,200 miles. It was very interesting, and I've tried to have this kind of philosophical conversation with a few people, and it's not working. No one wants to hear it. Basically, in short, I went through the Southwest. I went through Southern California to the Southwest, Southwest to Texas. Texas to the to the south, and I went all the way up into the Mason-Dixon line through Virginia, and it dropped me off in the northeast. I had no idea. Like, I'll just be, I don't have to be eloquent at all. Trump is a total whack job. He's a weirdo. But I think that the border thing that he's talking about with the wall, completely the wrong way to go about it, completely the wrong idea. But... I think what I really saw was actually there is a serious problem down there. Um, there's a huge problem with a caravan in New Mexico right now, and the people are just continually going up to these borders, and it's dangerous. That desert was huge. People have asked me like how the weather was. I got rained on a couple times, um, but the worst weather was in that desert, and I've met Mexican people in New York that have traveled um, through the desert and they just basically bring gallons of water and walk through the desert. And I saw surveillance cameras and sort of military issue, very large, as, as high as a telephone pole with like these sort of binoculars on them. So there's no way that it can stop. I hate to say this, I don't want to freak anyone out, but like it, this, there's no way you can stop this. It's a, it's a corridor, a drug corridor. And there's, major cartels like fighting it out. The border patrol guy that I was talking to is saying that he drives home a different way every night. He, um, he's also rotated. Their, their identity is kept confidential by the U.S. government and the border patrol are constantly re, um, they're, they're posted in, in different parts of the country and reassigned a new location because the cartels can get a, um, get a profile and go after them. So I didn't really realize that it was a lot of like trafficking. I knew there was drug trafficking. I didn't know there was human trafficking. So these drug lords and these coyotes is what they do is they, they basically will bring someone over the border and then they extort money out of their families. So it's really shadowy, scary stuff. And then you've got, um, you've got corruption going all the way up into the highest levels of government. So it's a serious, serious issue. So I saw that, that was a big thing that changed. Uh, and before I get to my next subject of the American South, it did make me feel like a little bit strange being, if any, did anybody ever see the movie Capote? 
remember that's that it kind of depicts that high society in New York um, rubbing elbows with um, the the greatest minds of the era you know and when Capote's like mixing with all these people and I feel like the North is definitely guilty of um, not of reading it in the New York Times or reading it on blogs and not really getting out in the field and actually seeing it. So I was really proud that I closed that gap and I got out there to see that with my own eyes and make my own decisions. It's so easily it's so easy to be swayed when you look at news, right? When we look at news in America, we have the left and we have the right. These are media outlets that are are showing a skewed version of reality and for their own for their own benefit for their own agenda then you've got facebook that has algorithms and then you know it serves up um an algorithm onto your details your analytics which isn't exactly news i will say that i really enjoy the bbc in in great britain because it just seems like news there's no like I, I, I just feel like there's a, a an interesting grief a grief trading, grief currency that goes on in, in, in American media where it's like and, and, and we're and, and we're we're finding out that there's three hundred people killed in a bombing in Sri Lanka. And and back to you, uh Judith, can you tell us what's going on down there? And rather than just saying there's three hundred people dead, that's the number so far. Um authorities are bringing in uh the military, it's contained. And we'll be back to you tomorrow with more details. They, they kind of like drag it out and they heighten it. And there's like graphics and, uh, and, and back to you, Judith, you know, I'm here, Tom. And, 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 it, and it's just a horrific scene and, uh, the bodies just keep coming out and there's no end in sight. Okay. We're going to go to a commercial, uh, shortly and we'll be back with the, this dreadful situation. And then they go to the commercial and they keep like dragging it on. And it's like really like a pretty perverse, um, this thinly disguised form of entertainment. And I don't understand why the media gets away with this. So in short, I was very happy to be um, out there with my own thoughts, my own brain, making my own decisions. So, so that was the Southwest. Moving on to the American South. Now that was another eye-opening experience. I think, like, without uh, just being blunt, I, I guess without trying to sugarcoat it and just being blunt, I think people in New York City uh, who are on the left pretty much blame the South and, and conservatives and, and gun owners and um, for, for George W. Bush and for Trump. It's like the country's trying to go in this direction, <clears throat> excuse me, and trying to grow and be progressive and have same-sex marriages, um, have, you know, better equality, um, and a lot of things that were scary in the past for the nation. And these people keep voting for, like, this conservative, warmongering, gun rights NRA people. And so I think that we have a feeling about the, sorry, the, uh, the, the American South that they're holding us back, and it's their fault. I, I can confirm that. Like, I've felt that way. I have friends that have felt that way and still feel that way. And, and I'm not proud of that. But, I mean, 
again, when you're subjected to like media outlets and so on, you, you kind of, um, you make your decisions how you will. And I didn't realize that I was being prejudiced and pre, if you break down the word prejudice, like prejudging, I was prejudging an entire population of our country. Um, I went to the civil rights museum and saw at the Lorraine motel in Memphis. And I saw where Martin Luther King uh, was shot and I'm sitting here in, in my, in my little office and I have a picture of Martin Luther King on the wall. It's framed. It's beautiful. And I think that I really have turned to him uh, more than ever and listened to his speeches. If you get a chance, they're on Spotify, they're on YouTube, but I've listened to all his speeches that are, that are posted. There's volumes of them and they're great, but I think it was because there was the divisiveness and the fracture that's going on in the country. I was returning, um, because of the xenophobic build a wall, kick the rapists out, all that kind of rhetoric that's been going on. I really wanted to feel some calm. Gandhi is a little bit difficult for me to connect with seeing it was so long ago, but Martin Luther King was the, it was the decade before I was born. So civil rights were really big on my mind during this trip. And I saw both sides. <clears throat> I think in fairness, I didn't realize like you, you quickly see when you start going through the South that like, it, it sounds very, it's a, it's a, it's not the nicest thing to talk about, but in New York, generally the people that are on the ground level doing the grunt jobs at one point in time were the Italians, the Irish, the Polish, and it, it switches around. At the moment, it's Mexican people. And you notice when you go into the South that it's generally white people or black people. I didn't find, I've, I, I got really into like, I guess, cultural anthropology and different, <clears throat> studying different cultures on my own time. And I know that there's, there's like a Punjabi, there's, Punjabi truck drivers and there's a uh, Punjabi population in Dallas and there's a Vietnamese population in Louisiana. And I know, I know that it's, it's not as sort of black and white as it might appear at first glance. So you can't just make a sweeping c comment, but I did notice that like at the front lines, the grunt, like hard, like labor jobs, it, it, you don't see it very much. When you drive through a Taco Bell in America, you generally don't see a white dude like serving you. That's just how it is. We can be politically correct about it. We can just say it. So it was very interesting to see like that the population of the demographics start to shift as I got in the South. And then you start realizing that um, there's, there's wealth um, in the South, but there's also a lot of poverty. And I feel like there's a lot of poverty in the Northeast, but there's also tremendous wealth and there's tremendous privilege. And it's a very interesting thing to measure your own success or your own trajectory by that. So being in New York and, and constantly having that in your face, I have to say it was very, um, it was very gratifying to just be around like people, like salt of the earth people. I had wonderful conversations, be it at a gas station, at a hotel, at a place I was eating, waitresses, waiters, guys on the corner, and people really stopped to talk to you. And it was very much that like kind of Forrest Gump, like, hmm, you know, the it is sunny day today, isn't it? You know, like standing on the corner um, and just kind of talking about the weather, just light things. And it was, it wasn't overly philosophical. It wasn't overly deep. It was just light 
and people were generous. Now, I broke down a couple times. I had a headlight go out. I had a puncture to my to my brake line. Um and I also had I also ran out of gas. My gas gauge broke. But the f- amazing thing is is I wrote a story about it for my Patreon. This fellow named Bo, who it turns out his name was Bo. The guy beat the tow truck. I had to call a tow truck and this guy pulled over told me he lived a few miles away, disappeared for like a half an hour. So he drove a ways and came back with a gas can, gave me free gas, drove off. And if I didn't ask him his name, he wouldn't have even told me. That's generous, man. I don't see that in New York. So that was really nice. At one point I was at a motorcycle shop and I was dealing with the brake problem. This is in Memphis. And the guy that was helping me um, he was a, he's a sweetheart guy. He was just saying that he grew up in Graceland right behind Elvis and talking about Elvis's life there and, and how he was sort of, um, viewed by the residents of Memphis and that he would hang around and watch the kids go around the BMX track. And this guy went to Graceland elementary. He also said that at the Graceland recreation, um, center where there was a pool, that there was a, a sign that said whites only. And that black kids would watch them from the chain link fence, you know, and steal their bikes. And, you know, he had a sense of humor about it. So I think there wasn't a day that I went through the South that people didn't talk to me about race. I also, towards the end of it, as I got into Virginia and so on, I really felt the Yankee thing. People were really letting me have it. Like, oh, you're from New York. And I'm not, I'm not from there. I've been there for 18 years. But so it was an eye-opening experience. It changed me. Like every journey should, I have really dropped my friction um, with the conservative part of the country, and I've I've come to this place of acceptance that I didn't really see their world. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and I was saying, "Do you think it's possibly to put? Or do you think it's possible to put politics aside, and the past aside?" Um, from the Civil War uh, to the Confederate States, the Dixie flag, to civil rights, to John F. Kennedy um, and Martin Luther King, Robert Kennedy, like all these people being assassinated in this kind of pressure cooker place in the country. Can you put politics aside? And he said, no, I can't. And I respect that. But I think for me, I need to put them aside. I'd actually like to try to live a year, a calendar year without thinking about politics or political figures and just concentrate on the air that I'm breathing, my relationships with human beings and stepping into my own power as a human being in the capacity of what I'm capable of without being inundated with terror, manipulation, all this awful stuff that comes to these news channels. And people profit off it through their ratings and so on. I just want to be cut free from it. And I felt like I was free from it on that trip. I hope I haven't gone on too long. Um, I'm coming to... I'm on my way, Great Britain. I'll be in England. I'm leaving tomorrow. So I'm just scrambling around here today trying to get all my guitar strings together. I'm playing some shows. And you can look on my Patreon. And I'm going to be jumping over to Berlin and doing like a private show. And uh, this was supposed to be a screening, but I think that's coming later. 
I'm excited. I've got my guitar. I'm bringing a different guitar that I usually bring. I'm thrilled. And I've got a new microphone. So, them's the apples. Thank you guys for listening. It's sunny. Get your butt outside. Oh, happy day. Um, thank you for listening, guys. I, I want to be as honest with you as I can. And I, if I've ruffled any feathers, I, I apologize. It's just where I'm at. You've been listening to On With William McCarthy live from Red Hook, Brooklyn. Far off.